Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And we find ourselves once more amid the towering stacks of your library and the and the sort of white water, well, red ink uh, mm. river flowing between them. It's it's still ongoing. The ink flood has the ink tide. I think we call it. Yes, has has not abated. But but I've made a little bit of progress in my research as to uh, if not what is happening, at least maybe something we can do about it. Oh, do tell. Okay, now if you if you come over here now, careful. We yes. we we are in a in a in a gondola, so it's, yeah, a, it's a little bit wobbly. We got the outlier, which has made it uh, much more stable now. But yes, outrigger is what it's called, right? Right. Yes. Okay, Sorry, so it's outrigger, not a gondola not, anymore. Yeah. Well, well, it's in the gondola plus. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Yes. The gondola plus. That's where we're. That's where we're in. Now, if you'll notice, uh, I've put some extra, extra planks between the gondola and the and the out and the plus compartment. So, so the actually, that makes it a kind of like catamaran. catamaran. No, I was yes. just realizing that as I was as I was saying it. But uh, it's a science catamaran. Oh yes. Because, yes. Good. Uh, I needed the extra stability for my chemistry set. Oh yes. Oh, that's where did you get the glassware? Look, uh, you you always have these questions about wh- how I concoct these things. Now, okay. I, I honestly, I don't know. I think I may have caught another splash of red ink. I was so going to say that how- looks like the sh- glassware from the chandelier in the lobby, but who is it? Uh- well, I apologize on behalf of my past self who okay. thought that was a good idea, but the results speak for themselves. Take a look at this. So here are some samples of the of the red ink. Yes. And I have a I have a number of other inks that I that I rescued from the uh, book repair studio. Yes. Um and, and now here here's some interesting interactions that I've observed. So uh-huh. uh, this little jar over here, that's where it makes the red ink, which erases memory. Yeah. And the blue ink, which sort of moves around. Yes. And I put some droplets in this jar and now there's a little frog in there. Oh, that's all. It's a purple frog. I mean, the fact that it's purple, I kind of expected, but I didn't expect the frog. Do you expect that from frogs? What? Are there a lot of purple frogs? No. But okay. if you mix red ink and blue ink, I'm not surprised that whatever the outcome is purple. Oh, it's the color theory that yes. you're focused on. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it seems friendly enough. I haven't dared to take off the stomper, but no. he's been in that jar for about five days with no air, and he hasn't died, and he just keeps looking at me. Yes, he does look a bit miffed. Or, it's hard to tell. I mean, tell, I'd be miffed right? if I just like suddenly appeared in a glass vial with a stopper on it, and like some bugger would not let me out for five days. So, what do you think we should do as like phase two of this experiment, mixing red and blue ink? Okay, so we basically the blue ink shifts reality, or I should say, it it, it oh, wow. refocuses it. I mean, that's like yeah, writing things in blue ink kind of like makes them real. So, if you have now a memory erasing, reality fixing yeah. frog. That, Unless there have been any mixed so side effects. What you're saying is just leave the stopper on and... That uh, would be my first... Maybe put that in the grimoire cage if we ever pass it. Yes, if we happen to drift by, the, then we might want to like put it there. Like, might make a new good guardian or something like that, but... Uh, oh, interesting. It's like, it'd be useful. It's like, it'd be very good at getting intruders and then making them forget what they were doing. So I think that might actually work. It's a little bit small, though, but, you know... Well, we could just let, like, let it loose. It and, might grow. You don't know. Things right. might grow. We could just let it loose in the red ink and see which way it swims. Yes, but if it if it has all of these powers, do you, do you think it's worth the risk? I mean, well, yeah. Should we just hey, yeah? Let's be friends to the animals. Throw, let's just throw it in there and see I'll which just, way it swims and follow it. Let's okay, see where it, where I'll put it takes on my, us. Put on my little my, my little gloves, my little science gloves, and, and I'm going to hold my hand out very far and hold it over the over the edge. Stopper comes off. Uh, oh. So far, so good. It's not moving. How'd you go? Oh, how'd you go, little? Oh no, he's stuck in there. Oh, give it a good shake. I, yeah, yeah. And now he's 
like, like he's good and stuck in there. Like he's not even moving. I can, well, I can, I can just done it. Nope. Right. He is in there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, you can like, oh, I would say like dip it in the ink, but then you probably get some ink on yourself. So I've that's... got gloves. I've got gloves. Okay. I'm going to give that a little, you know little the, try. Okay. They're not paper gloves that are ink transparent. No, they're vellum gloves. Okay, just asking. Do you remember how I made my yes. my PTP out of that way back when? Yeah, yeah, we're we're playing all the hits. Okay, I'm gonna give it a quick dip in the ink and. Okay, oh. well, it's hard to tell with all the ink. Hold on, I'll no, shake, shake it, it out. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's still in there. Oh, it's just bigger. Yeah. Oh, well, in that case, put the stopper back on and leave it. Yeah, I think I think yeah. stopper back on and just leave it. So okay, so we'll see how it goes. If it develops, if it gets too, it, it'll crawl out of there on its own. If it gets too big for the. Uh, bottle anyway otherwise we're gonna have a very funnily shaped frog yeah so i think that um throwing this in the ink tide is not a good idea because then we'd replace the ink tide with a giant purple frog true with possibly powers yes maybe reality altering powers or at least mind altering powers experiment two now instead of mixing two different inks i thought that i would try some of the containment uh, technologies that you have so uh, yeah so i inscribed some of the runes that i saw on the oh what's it called the 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 grimoire cage oh right yes uh, the last time that the gondola sort of sort of glided past there Mm -hmm. Uh, and i inscribed them on on some erasers can i have a look uh, no by all means here this one says don't dead open inside. Yeah, I, th- I just I wrote them down exactly the way I saw oh. them. So mm, okay, I think you might have missed an uptick here. Well, uh, we, it 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 still has has had its results. See, and, I mean, this is not a serif font, and uh, so there's not supposed to be. <laughs> it's not serif cuneiform. Okay, no, gotcha. Um, but uh, there is an interesting effect that occurs. When, uh, see, I've got a little dollop of, of red ink on that slide over yeah. there, and when I when I set these erasers up like sort of standing stones, like a like a like yeah. a like a eraser henge or a rubber henge, notice how the droplet sort of uh, elevates, sort of oh, sort yes. of starts to levitate above the glass, and is sort of sort of sort of held there. Like I can take this little configuration and I can just move the, yeah, the droplet. Yeah, kind of like safely. a uh, well, like one of those acoustically uh, suspended droplets. Oh yeah. Although erasers aren't known for their acoustic properties. No, that is true. No, no. So do you have any idea how how this phenomenon, which seems to safely contain red ink, mm-hmm. can be used at scale to maybe deal with a gigantic ocean of red ink that we now sail upon? Well, you need the... some really big erasers. Really big erasers. I mean, okay, do you have any lying around? Well, not here in the gondola. I mean, if you've got some medium-sized erasers, and I mean like, say 15 pounds each or something then you could maybe that's medium sized if you want to like erasers that can hold off a red tink i mean i'm thinking like proper stonehenge sized eraser so okay. a, a 10 to 15 pound eraser would be considered medium sized but if but imagine like taking that configuration and mounting it at the back of the gondola then you could use it as a propulsion system hey okay Okay, well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll start with that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great. Idea. We can have a speed gondola. Yes, there you That'd go. That'd be cool. Go skimming across the red ink. It would wow. be a little bit of spray behind us, so yeah, no sudden stops because then we'd be covered and we wouldn't have no idea what we're doing. I mean, that's supposing yeah. that we usually do have an idea what we're doing, which is questionable <laughs> at the best days, but. <laughs> So, so my last experiment, I decided not to do anything with the with the red ink itself, yeah. and see if I could like arm the the library, in particular the books, against the uh, the red ink. 
So this one was this one was tricky. I saw some of my successes with the uh, with the with the runes inscribed yeah. in the in the eraser. So I tried something similar. I wrapped a book in uh, in vellum, uh, and then I used some of the hey, I found some like gold leaf or something oh, like very something, pretty. something very Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I glued some of that on in these similar patterns, and now I can't touch it anymore. But it also won't touch the floor. Oh. and do you see how you can sort of it's sort of like it's on an air cushion. You can sort of push it around. It kind of created a hover book. Yeah. Okay. That's could be potentially useful. Could it? I have I have wrapped I mean, my little brain and I and I just can't. I mean, can you get it to float a little higher than this? No, this is this is it. So oh, I guess other runes are, are are needed, but it'll float at this height, like wherever. Mm. I mean, you can put some significant weight on it. Put your foot down. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it's, very, it's, it's very hard. I mean, I can't put my weight on it. It'll just slip out right from under me. And I'm not yeah, much, right? So it's a bit of a like, like a skateboard. But imagine what, if it was bigger. Yeah. I mean, you could go skating across the red water, uh, the red ink. Yeah. Okay. That's an, that's an idea. We need some more. We except, need the, you except what we learned from together. Back to the Future, that you you need propulsion. Otherwise, you're not going to go anywhere as soon as you run out of steam. I've got my gondola hunting stick. Oh, yes. Or you could maybe combine it with the eraser propulsion technology. Whoa. Oh, can you imagine? With a, with a, with a reduced friction? All right. Okay. So next time, I think we will be racing down the, 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 the river Styx or Libros or whatever. We, do you want to name this? The river. Oh. Yeah, the Red River of... Of the library, I mean, that's essentially what Yes, I mean... Oh, this, I, I know that this is a horrifying uh, circumstance for your library to find itself in, but I'm just I'm just astonished at the at the creative opportunities that we well, face because of it. I'm hoping that the uh, ink repulsion tech, uh, technology will be easily uh, deployed and we can maybe get it out around the bases of the bookcases. That oh! Would be, I mean, that would, like, keep them away. And, like, I mean, it's, it seems like most of them would be, like, yeah, you know, anything on the lower two shelves seems to be ruined already, so... Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Okay, I'll get I'll get on that. All for the next books time. probably have already forgotten about it, which is a good thing. <laughs> that is a function of the red ink. We'll just we'll just find a bunch of blank books that don't know what they're about. Ah, yes. Sort Ooh. of like me most oh, of the time. Yes, I think you're more like a notebook that keeps getting pages torn out of it. Whoa. Okay, that's that's kind of horrifying mental imagery. Let's sort of bleach our minds and and and, and go to this week's book because uh, while there are still books that haven't been subsumed under the under the ink tide, we should probably get to reviewing some of them. So, yes. what do we have in store for our readers this week? Yes, this week's book is by Penelrod or. <laughs> P and no. Elrod, sorry. No, the P is silent. Oh. Silent. It's Nelrod. Nelrod. All right. P and Elrod. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, the book is called The Adventures of Mur. 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 I think it's Mur. M Y H R. Also, notice it's a lowercase M. Oh yes, I suppose. Yeah, mm. capital Y, capital yeah. H, capital R, uh, and he's half man, half cat, and all hero. And on the on the front cover, we have a gorgeous. Catman with fantastic, like, David Bowie in labyrinth hair. Right. Uh, and whiskers, which are more like, ooh, where shall we go? Oh, who has fantastic whiskers? Hmm. Uh, I'm thinking of God from Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. He had the sort of braided moustache oh, whiskers. I was thinking... I was thinking of Ri- I was thinking of Rigel from Farscape. <laughs> from from Farscape, yes, interesting. Be- a- before the frozen uh, frozen whisker incident, but <laughs> yes, not one off. He looks a little bit. Hey, Kilrathi from the, the Wing Commander video games right. before the terrible film, or, or just anything dumpy. that where they uh, involving the Xin. So that could be entirely true. Oh yes, he looks like a like a Xintosh. Yes. And there is a lady, I think it's a lady, might be a guy you know, standing behind him. It is. Wearing so, uh, a black robe with yep. a uh, red lining. Red lining, yeah. Uh, that's and a really cool look. Some little horns on the head. And yep. sexy, well, little black 
sunglasses, I suppose. I thought it was hard to tell from yeah. the from the book. Like it could also be some kind of makeup, I guess. Do, right. do you know yeah, what I mean? Like war, it was actually war drawn paint. on like, war yeah, paint, yeah. or maybe, maybe like some, someone slip with a coal. <laughs> Or maybe someone uh, put put grease on the inside of some binoculars that yes. they used and gave them fake glasses. Yeah, that's a funny joke. That would be weird. Mer is holding a ball of lightning, and it's some sort of rippling space effect. In the background, we can see the large windows yeah. overview. Yeah, so it, it's clearly like uh, wielding magic because he's got a he's got a lovely white blouse and a fantastic yes. waistcoat and uh, sort of crushed velvet black pants. It's a Gorgeous, gorgeous. Oh, uh, I, I hadn't even noticed the waistcoat. I thought there was just shadow on his uh, white blouse. But no, you're right. He is wearing a waistcoat. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, properly buttoned. He's, and uh, uh, yeah, he's all like all groomed up. He's got uh, a massive mane, I suppose. And a uh, little cute little ear <laughs> sticking out You know what they say it. about cats with big manes? Ooh, big hair dresser bills? Yeah. Uh, that's. It's not a very good joke that okay. they say about <laughs> About those cats. Well, um, yeah, so that's like, it's a, it's an exciting, well, it's not that exciting. It's just a fairly typical science fiction yeah. uh, front cover. No, you know? I, I'm with you there, because I, I always want to be excited about these about these covers. But like, aside from the, the concepts that are being displayed, artistically, it's not a, it's, it's not a, like a slam dunk. It's one of those covers which are just purely designed to get you to pick up the book and uh, look at it and take a better look at it. I mean, that's pretty much what all science fiction fantasy book covers are ever yes, since the 80s. Yes, it's our bread and butter it's that is that is kind of the style of of, of the hero of this book mer i think we've decided to call him yes I, you know i, I struggled to figure out whether it's mayor mere i mean it kind of reminded me of oh uh, 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 my friend an artist in in germany uh, claudia schmidt is working on the second volume of her graphic novel series mure m-y-r-e which is also quite difficult for english speakers like they assume Mure. that it's mm. like meyer or something right. similar. Mure. Mure. okay we're introduced to this world which is Basically, Earth. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say, like pre turn of the century, like right, late twentieth, right when uh, when stage magicians were were still an incredibly popular form of entertainment. Right, which is how he's made his fame. This this half cat, half man. Uh, somehow, the fact that he is half feline is completely glossed over by the public because they're just astonished by his well, magic. I guess they assume that it's assume, part of his act. Yeah, you know, right? that's how he always presents himself and. Like he, when he, whenever he's asked about it, he in interviews he ignores it. He just sort of starts preening and purring. Yes, he gets and, away with a lot because he's so gorgeous. I mean, that's the thing. When when you have your artist and you have you're doing your shtick as your stage performance, then like you stick with it. As I say, the performance is not on the stage. The performance is outside the stage as well. That's where the real that's effort goes right. into the uh, keeping up the effort. I mean, anybody can like dress up for for the stage performance, but like making it a way of life is considered like you know that's like taking yeah, the step. Of right. course. He doesn't have to do anything special for that. He can just be himself. But they don't know that. So to them, yeah. it seems like he's always going through the extraordinary effort of always presenting himself as a stage persona wherever he is and goes. Because that is that is like the hallmark of some some historically very, very famous uh, 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 stage magicians who pretended to be something other than they were in order to, to like... Uh, uh, misdirect people's attention. I, I, yeah. There was a famous gentleman whose name I've forgotten, but he was a, he was a British gentleman who pretended to be uh, an Oriental, a, a Chinese man, right. an old old Chinese man, and he would and he would like walk with a stoop, and he would wear the, the 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 long robes. But all of this was to hide that he was an incredibly fit, athletic, tall man who could perform feats of uh, of strength that no one would assume uh, a, a frail old man could do like like carrying a gigantic like container of water between his knees for 45 minutes so that he could make it appear somewhere because that's the thing with with stage magic the trick is never done when you see it the trick is 
all the preparation that had to be done the whole time when you weren't seeing it. Yes, and making the audience believe that nobody would go through the effort of doing something like that to produce a certain effect. It's like, oh, it's impossible. They couldn't have done that. Yeah, and, no, well, exactly yes, that. Uh, no, because it have. would be so much easier to just use magic instead of going through all that all that effort. But that's what that's what Murr kind of gets away with. For him, it is no effort. He doesn't do anything remarkable to, to look the way he does. That's just how he was born. Yeah, and uh, he's like using that... Unique ability? Well, it's not really an ability if you're born. Well, is an appearance yeah. an ability? I wouldn't say so. Well, in this case, it does have certain effects. Like people are so entranced by him and his appearance and his and his like his aloofness is so sexy that nobody notices he's kind of a shit magician. You know, <laughs> yes. m- most of his 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 tricks come from the Chris Angel Mind Freak Ultimate Magic Kit for uh, $129. Which, okay, I never heard of that yeah, before. Well, it's like, is this like a, a magic kit that was sold in the United States or something? Yes, it is. From I'm starting to realize, maybe anachronistically, I think Chris Angel is post-turn of the century, but whatever. Uh, I mean, uh, Nelrod clearly, clearly got some wrong, but yeah. <laughs> like, it's it, it's mostly like cup and balls tricks. Yes. Uh, and yeah, so he, he stands on stage for like an hour and, and, and 45 minutes, mostly like just cupping no- his balls. Knocking, people. I was going to say knocking cups and balls <laughs> off the table. <laughs> yes. And the reviews are raving, but people are just, they, they lap it up. Yes. And it, like, it, like, like the trick he does with a spoon and a bit of fish paste. I... I must have glossed over that in yeah. my reading. What was the well, what was the trick that he does with the spoon and a bit of fish? He paste? makes the fish fish paste disappear <laughs> with a with a spoon. Yes, <laughs> no, yeah, that was a wow! What a what an astonishing uh, uh, trick that was. It made headlines for four months, as did his uh, famous David Copperfield routine. Yeah, much to the chagrin of the uh, uh, stage magician who named himself David Copperfield, where he he achieved like worldwide fame by essentially. Doing a forty-five minute reading of uh, Charles Dickens's novel David Copperfield, and then pulling some flowers from his sleeve, and right. that's it. And like the rest of the magician honest, community, I was pretty impressed that he managed to read all of David Copperfield in forty-five minutes. See, exactly what we know about yeah. him—that is the—that is the impressive part. But the rest of the, the the magician community is looking at this like he is. He is rubbish, and how is he getting away with this? How are people so astonished at the at the simple shit that he's doing? But of course, the magicians aren't the only ones who are watching his rise to to stardom with oh. jaundiced eyes. Well, what he doesn't know, and what most of Earth doesn't know, is that Earth uh, plays a very interesting part in the galactic community. Yes, it, it is the only planet in the known universe on, on which an entertainment industry has developed. What a world this is. Yes. Like just just imagine that. Imagine entertainment. The idea of being amused or being amusing as a as a profession and and, and transporting people. No. This had not ever occurred to any other species, uh, which has uh, caused Earth to become uh, more wow. or less the daytime TV of the universe. <laughs> yes, I'm reminded now of Romula de Derenex and the yes. uh, the influence that she might have had. Wow, we, we should play all the hits one of the one of these days. Yeah, uh, uh, and at first it's it's like confusing why we're learning this about about Earth, but of course we should realize he is not Mir is not. Like straight up human, no. Like he is a he is a cat man. I think there are connections to a book that we did previously with the with the human who landed on the planet full of alien, uh, full of full of cat people. Yeah. Like maybe there was being there was there was some you know cross pollination of the species. I think that might have been it, it. Might have occurred, and uh, clearly as a human, they're not uh, welcome on uh, alien planets because like the, the myth has to be maintained. Uh, uh, yes, and therefore, it, like he was probably sent to Earth by his parents and uh, raised there. It's the 
only place that he could be safe because yeah, yeah. it's a pre-contact civilization they're not supposed to be to be touched they've got like a, a the, the galactic community has sort of a prime directive about that but he is not the first such uh, oh, uh, such no. child to be born of a union of crossed stars. No, basically his blatant flaunting of the rules regarding making themselves known in his appearance is like starting to turn some eyes. Flaunting or flouting? Flouting. Which, well, which one means like one? Well, he's flaunting his appearance and he's flouting the rules. I suppose. Yes, that's the. That's, that's exactly <laughs> right. Thank you. Incurring the ire of other star-crossed children mm. who have grown up on Earth and who have, for their own survival, kept their heads down and tried to try to live in, 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 in human society as much as they're able to, given the fact that uh, uh, they're half-aliens. And one of them takes it upon himself to protect this, this informal, loose community of, yes. of survivors on protect, Earth. Protect the veil. Protect the veil. Yeah, very good. It's sort of like, a, a, yeah. where's the veil from again? It's That's from, from uh, White Wolf. Yes, the white wolf uh, role playing system, but it's not a werewolf that comes after after Mir. No. It's a, it, it's a very similar creature. It's He's a known as a. No, this is not one of those time travel episodes. Oh, He's no, not right, going to travel right around on a chronoped like last week. It's a be werewolf. Oh, yeah. So it's like is he like cross works as a crossing guard. <laughs> A little bit, yes. No, the, yes, yes, he does. That's right. That's right. To hide his his power of augury of being able to interpret the the future, and and in turn have his own future revealed to him. Like that's the thing that sort of limits him from from using his power to to tell people's future. You, she cannot learn about someone else's future without ah. also revealing her own, which is a terrible thing to know about. So it's kind of like she's she's got five sides. Five side. How does well? You've what? got four side, oh, and then you've got <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. That's right. No, I forgot about that. Yeah, she has a she has an extra eye on the in the middle of her five head that just opens when she uses her power <laughs> of reciprocity. Okay, so yeah, so when she uses her power to 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 learn about someone's future, she also learns about her own. That's oh. the reciprocity. Oh, it's not that they learn about her future. That's what I kind of. Oh shit! No, that's better. Yes, yes, that's 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 probably how it went. I must have. Recipro- good job. Reciprocity. prophecy, Yes, it's <laughs> yeah. like you, you you can divine someone's future, but in a, a turn of galactic balance, they also learn about yours. That's no. Yes, that's better. <laughs> that's that's definitely how it went in the in the book. Very good. A power that they have on 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 Canis Major, yeah. where uh, where her mother came from, uh, whereas uh, before her before her mother was was captured by the U.S. government and escaped from Area sixty nine. Ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> I five. We've had like two of those in this show. Yes. We've real. Yes. Area sixty nine. Wow. Where she escaped from from their uh, their psychic pre jurisdiction. Did you get it? Like pre prediction pre jurisdiction. Oh yes. Yeah, she makes her her living as a as a as a as a crossing guard, occasionally indulging in her in her power, like made into sort of little country game where sort of like like Cassandra syndrome. So well, it kind of it, it really works. Like she because she expects this and she knows about it, and like anybody who she uses her power on also gets that insight. But they are not used to this. They know they're just thinking like I just had like a weird thought about this crossing guard that I saw earlier. Yeah, and like well, I hope she's all right because I saw this big truck hurtling in her direction. Uh, and, you know, it's and <laughs> yeah. they they just most people just brush it off as being like oh, okay, one of those little weird jamais vu things. Uh, jamais oh, like the opposite of déjà vu, yes. like never seen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
as is the case when she tries to use her power to to figure out where Mir is going to uh, is going to be at the most risk that she could influence and like yeah. maybe help him to have a little accident or just yeah. vanish from from sight so that he doesn't call too much attention on the rest of the uh, the star-crossed children mm. but unfortunately like he just has a terrible dream about how she's going to have a have a terrible accident while she's playing one of her psychic games like a, a country game called Warnholing Okay. <laughs> yeah, do you know how you can just go like cornholing is a, is a popular game? Mind yeah, that just one. Mind that one. Mind yeah. That. Oh, oh, yeah. Mind that hole. She has a terrible has misstep. A terrible, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does not go well for her. She's in. She's in traction in hospital for a while, and Mira is none the wiser. Which seems to be the pattern for for his encounters with others right. of his kind. I really liked how Nelrod. Uh, Managed to like use that almost like a cutscene effect into the next scene, right? Because uh, what we're seeing is our uh, good friend Murr undergoing the Chinese porter torture. Chinese, chi- Chinese, yeah, no, I'll get there. Chinese, Chinese shouldn't be the hard word in this one. Chinese, Chinese porter, porter torture. torture. Yes. yes. Sorry, in in a porter torture booth. Because uh, another one of the the star-crossed is also uh, trying to get uh, Murr out of the picture. Yes. And uh, this is the uh, famous Harry Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who also a stage magician? He's also a stage yeah. magician. Yes, he's a, he, he's he's a well-known escape artist. <laughs> yes, that's who's uh, that's right. Who is either from the Crab Nebula or responsible for it? <laughs> the Crab Nebula. <laughs> that's right. He's an escape artist from the Crap Nebula. <laughs> yes. What a great book. Yeah. Hey, the PNL Rod, you should be proud of yourself. And uh, he's subjecting uh, um, Mirror to the Chinese porter torture. Yeah. Uh, which is like taking him to a cheap Chinese restaurant and ordering the Guinness there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Guinness is stout. Uh, it's also, well, okay, you're right. So, oh, shit. Uh, is there no, any? it's not against you. It's against the, what is a porter? I don't know. Uh, porter is also, a, it's, it's also, porter and oh, stouts are very, stouts are two very it. similar drinks. They're both very dark beers. Uh, I think. I, I think thought a, it was a person who, like, carries I think luggage. A, I think a porter is, yes, but it, it was called a porter because those luggage bearing types uh, tended to favor that kind of beer in, uh, during the time when it was, oh, uh, became okay. popularized. Yeah, so it's I think very a, nourishing. I think drink. it's one of those things. It's, I think a porter is a stout, but a stout is not necessarily a porter or the other way around. I can't, uh, yes. I think well, a porter yeah, is a stout, but a stout is not necessarily a porter. A Guinness is a stout, but a stout is not a Guinness. Although, exactly. Yeah. You know, on, on television programs, you see people ordering a, a stout because Guinness is a is a trademarked uh, mm. brand name. But you know, in any pub, people just ask for Guinness. It is very rare for someone to ask for a stout that is not a Guinness. Well, unless well, these days it's probably more common than it was in the last forty years. And Actually, that's that, a yeah. very good point. Yeah. Just, I yeah, mean, for the, for the, the sort time. of microbrewery, right? Yeah. Uh, ascension. I mean, you see much more. Uh, you see much more of those beers these days. Yeah. So our hero doesn't suffer a lot from the the Chinese porter torture. That I don't I don't quite understand why Harry Houdini thought that would be such a punishment. I mean, it's I mean it's having, a, they have perfectly ha- fine microbreweries in the in the Southeast Asian right. right but like think of having to sit in a cheap Chinese restaurant and having to drink whatever is is passes for a for a porter in there. Well, considering that I've been living in this library for 98 weeks. That actually sounds fucking lovely, I've got to say. Uh, you just want the cheap Chinese food. I understand, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I can't yeah, really yeah. see you uh, choking down a porter. I mean, I can see you choking it down, but not very. <laughs> hey, wow. <laughs> this, is, this is unfair persecution, which is what our hero decides this is. In fact, it is unfair persecution. Well, yeah. it's all about him, isn't it? It is. And his, uh, I, I mean, he only has to tweet about this, how he had Twitter before the turn of the century. I don't quite know. I think Elrod 
Elrond, Penelrond sort of lost track of uh, exactly which era they were writing in. I don't think we know whether it's a it's a gentleman or a lady or a non-binary person. Penelrond, yeah, no, it doesn't like. There's no initials, so it's just it could be anything. I mean, even with just initials, you couldn't like make any guesses at the gender right? of the. Uh, person, let alone their, uh, the preferred pronouns. Which is something that uh, that female writers have have used uh, by necessity to right. succeed in, in science fiction. Like, you see a lot of, like, uh, uh, female science fiction writers use their initials. Right. Just like to make DC sure, Fontana. Just just to not, not make it obvious that they're female. Exactly. Yeah, and make themselves more, more hireable based on that's, their on That's, their that's interesting, because, oh, I mean, like, a, a lot of science fiction and fantasy that I've been reading over the past decades has been by female writers, doesn't it? Well, I mean, the the historical presidents, like D.C. Fontana, a writer for Star Trek, C.J. Cherry, who even added an H to her surname to make it seem more masculine. Oh, wait. Cherry is more masculine than Cherry? Cherry with an H. Cherry sort of... Isn't Cherry... Oh, at at the end. Yes, no, it's, sorry, no, you're right, nice. you're right. It already has an H. Yeah. It's not Harry. <laughs> no, that, 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 like you had me confused. Harry Houdini, yeah, who S- does Harry. not, who falls victim to Mir's, Mir's fan club, yeah. the uh, the fans militant, who follow his, his every word. So when he says that he's being unfairly persecuted, they race to his rescue. Yes. Uh, to the detriment of, of Harry Houdini, rescue him from the Chinese porter torture at, in the porter party where he well, was. Well, the the, the, the the porter tortures kind of backfired on him. Uh, and, uh, oh, yes. He says he's, he's now suffering from the Nacht cramps, which is like... Uh, <laughs> what? The, it's, is that related to Krampus? Is that another one of the star-crossed? It is technically... It is, it's, it's, an, it's a uh, creature. The Nacht is actually a mythological creature, which is actually what, oh. the, what, what Mr. Harry Houdini resembles. It's, it's a bit like a, a raven-like man creature. It, it harks from uh, Hungarian folklore. But it, it has a German name. Yeah, well, you know... I mean, Hunga- I can tell Hunga- that by the fact that if it was Hungarian name, I wouldn't recognize anything. I mean, it used to be the Austro-Hungarian Empire, you know, so there's probably quite a lot of... Uh- oh, that is true. Like, a yeah, a bit of sort of cultural bleeding. Right. Can- yeah, so another mystery for for us to chew on. In the meantime, like, Murr is, is going back to his life and he's performing more of his terrible, terrible close-up magic to rave reviews and sold-out uh, uh, sold out stadiums. And now that he's approaching uh, uh, certain cities that are of interest to the star, Crossed, mm-hmm. uh, in particular Seattle, their efforts to thwart him intensify, and he falls under he, the, the crosshairs of the Jackson Hive Ooh, fall upon him. That, now, that, I, I thought that was really scary. Yeah, the Jackson right? Hive. That like, oh. I assume they're not called that because of their beehive dues. But they're not not called that because of their beehive <laughs> hairdos. I'll, I'll I'll say because they are from the 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 sort of Motown era. They did uh-huh. uh, in their youths make a make a splash on the international scene and become very famous as some young fraternally familiar uh, uh, musicians yeah. of of incredible popularity. But yes, they were they were themselves like quickly persecuted by the other star-crossed yes. into fading into obscurity where they belong. And so now when they see that one of their own is making the same mistake that they did in their youth, they have to, they have to jump in and go yeah. back there, yes. Because they are they are like a collective species, like a hive-minded yeah. species. Well, I mean, the name kind of gives that away. Kind of, yeah. yeah. They're like a bunch of bugs in, in various skin Although suits. occasionally one of them is like has aspirations to start a solo career, but they're yes. generally sucked back into the hive pretty quickly. Suffering, <laughs> yeah, suffering some health complications and some bizarre behavior as they're separated from their from their hive. They they recruit their their familiar, a, a, a machine intelligence also on Earth, and uh-huh. one that we've met before, Cyber 
Baron Cyborg. <laughs> Always a always a hit to like they realize that Mir's major advantage is his fans militant like that's why mm-hmm. he's uh, that's why the other Starcross they're failing to uh, to take him down so they practice something that they call brain spotting mm. trying to trying to like mass hypnotize or deprogram I should say uh, these fans from their fascinations with Mir. Oh, okay. I thought, yeah, I, mean, I thought they were going to use that on Murr himself, which I mean would have ultimately failed because, like, like he suff- is too dim. Well, he was suffering and also suffering from a bit of a hangover from the uh, Chinese porter torture. So yes, it's like that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's so the any brain spotting would like completely fail on him because there's like there's not enough there functional to spot right now. So uh, the, the fans militant are not a particularly brainy bunch to begin with. No. So so there's very little to spot. <laughs> yes, they're walking amid, amid amid these multitudes looking for for a mind to infect. But no, it's all this this slavish devotion. It's just uh, mindless repetition of like he is the greatest and he is the prettiest and like look at him preen so and, and he is absolutely. and he's so aloof, which is often mistaken for. Sexiness and and, right. and being interesting, so like they 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 even try to like play his own game and and do their own close up magic to try and uh, acquire the, the the interest of his fans militant and at oh. least like like they essentially like they're practicing trick bait. Yes, although they're a little bit out of their depth in this one. Uh, yeah, and as hard as they try, they they don't quite succeed because Murr is like at least his agent, which I think is the one with the horns on the cover. Probably. Yeah, with the with that the, the right. figure with the with the horns. His agent has chosen this particularly inopportune moment to release a new line of merchandise. I guess kind of inspired by the Chris Angel Mind Freak Ultimate Magic Kit, a new form of entertainment branded with with Murr's likeness. Trivial Mersuit. <laughs> yes, I love that one. That was fantastic. <laughs> yes. Because they had so many versions of Trivial Pursuit and, at the, the board game at the end of the 90s. And there's so a lot of, mer, there is a lot of Trivial Mersuiting going on. Like when, <laughs> oh God, I haven't even thought of that. Especially from the fanboys. Uh, oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're all cosplaying their own Mersuits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. Perfect. Yes. Uh, and so there's a little cut scene here back to Area 69 where a <laughs> yes. where a mysterious person known only as the producer uh, yeah. who seems to be a bit of a Weasley sort of fellow who is sitting in his office and realizing that things are not going right. There's Yes. This is spiraling out of control quite rapidly. Things must be taken in control before Earth starts to realize that they are the center of the uh, entertainment industry of the universe and yep. Murr needs to be stopped. And, he, and he's sitting there having a little think and he's, it's almost like he's daydreaming. Yeah, sort of mind-wandering away, trying to come up with maybe something that's as effective as like Men in Black as a false flag operation. But oh, and, could- Yeah, and uh, basically he sees himself like playing a vital part in the way that Murr is being countered and ignorance is restored to, to the planet Earth and the producer can keep his job and uh, entertainment running, so to speak. The show must Maintain go on. Maintain the status quo, ensure that the rest of the galaxy is entertained so they don't think about, like, obliterating Earth for being a troublesome yeah, little Yeah, we can't have planet. that. No. Uh, and there's a little cut scene back to uh, a character we saw previously in the book. Yeah, Our uh, lovely beware-wolf, who yeah. was, in fact, using her uh, powers of Reciprocity. Very good. Oh, Got a new one. Yeah. Uh, and figuring out how she can make things go right. Yes, because she's tried taking out Murr, and th- that didn't work out very well for her. But, like, the real important thing is not to, so much stopping Murr, but to maintain, 
like the 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 status quo that is working so well for uh, uh, for the star-crossed uh, children on this planet because that's what she cares about. She cares about like her her fellow hybrids surviving, and apparently that requires the rest of the universe to look favorably on Earth as a producer of entertainment. Yes, and uh, after doing a little bit of brain spotting of her own, <laughs> she decides to take um, make use of the producer's uh, recipe provision that he's had. In yeah, uh, yeah. In, in I mean, she's aware of what happened uh, in the in the she's producer's beware. brain. Yeah. Oh, she's very beware. <laughs> uh, and uh, when she sees the producer starting to book uh, Murr in a big showdown act. She uh, realizes yeah. that this is the time to step in and start using her uh, recipe prophecy. Yes, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, whatever. A recipe uh, for prophecy. Oh, it's very much so. <laughs> So Murr has a is booked for a huge live televised stage event in which he is uh, uh, going to perform his most famous tricks and a brilliant new trick, which is like yes. a hint to that. He's going to make the space needle disappear. He is uh, like much to the chagrin of the uh, the Jackson the, Hive, the Jackson Hive, yeah, yes. who have to evacuate it very quickly. And although you know, it's like it's a trick anyway. Everybody knows he's not really going to make it disappear, but he's going to make it look like it disappeared. Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to make it look like it, but the the bewerewolf is actually she has a she has a plan of her, of her own. The action kind of accelerates here. There is some. There's some chloroform involved. There is like the, the the emergency fuel of the hyperdrive of the spacecraft that is actually the space needle uh, is activated. She stuffs the producer onto the uh, onto the onto the UFO, and at the moment that the that the great disappearing act is supposed to take place, activates the hyperdrive, sending the producer off into the the depths of space, fulfilling the trick that that Murr was to perform. And now there is a there is a gap in the in Earth's entertainment history. It needs a new producer, and who? better than the werewolf herself. Uh, she uh, nicely steps into the now vacant position, yeah. uh, presents herself as the the, the be-all and end-all, I suppose, of the thing. She, I mean, she, she knows what the producer's been doing. She she, she has her powers of reciprocity to exactly. uh, to be able to like beware of any pitfalls and dangers that might uh, lie in the uh, yep. act of doing this. Anyone who stands in her way, she can foresee their plans and they can foresee her success. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, basically Murr remains blissfully ignorant of uh, the role that he's it's been playing. It's a cat thing anyway. It is. I mean, right? like, does he know or does he just not care? I mean, it's like one <laughs> it's, or the other. It's, it's literally the same thing where cats are concerned. True, true. And there is uh, zero difference. Yeah, basically things get wrapped up. So she becomes the new producer. Yep. Uh, and uh, Earth continues to produce the the, the the galaxy's entertainment. The star-crossed children are safe among among Earth's. Yes, and they they, they, they actually they actually realize that the thing that Murr had was not just like relevant to him. It's not him just being ignorant. It's all of humanity being so. Yeah. And they can just like move about, and as long as you just like stay in character. Yes, that's the thing. You've got to you've got to stay in character, and the and the and the, and the Jackson Hive learned this about themselves, and the and the, even the even the bewerewolf. Like as long as you're consistent, as long as you believe in yourself, yeah. everybody else can believe in you. Too. Exactly, and Harry Houdini becomes a, a, a part of the situation as well. She's uh, like, oh yeah, yeah. What's what's Harry Houdini's role? Well, in I mean, his his escape part is wrapped all together. His, so es- well. his escape partisism is become a really. It's it's a really <laughs> it, it clears the house. Let me call it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought it was a brilliant book. It was. It was a very fantastic book. I like, I really enjoyed it. It's. Uh, I've got a soft spot for cat folks, so you know, Murr was just really? like, well, that's never come up in this show oh, before. No, no. It's no. not like we're completely upset with sexy cat men from no, space. It's not like we have a category of like sexy cat people in our uh, no, exactly of, uh, like, upcoming books or anything in the, like in that. The, in the future wiki that will spring up about this uh, uh, about this series, there won't be like a special section for sexy cat men such as or, Ruraf and Robert Katz and now also. Yep. So how are we going to rate this book? Oh, what's a good magic number? Ooh, I know the magic number. What is it? 1729. So 1729. Is that one of Ramanujan's numbers? Ramanujan. Yes, very good. Yeah. yeah man who knew infinity. And yeah, so he, he described that as the smallest number that can be described as the sum of two cubes in two ways. Ah, yeah. So right, it's the it's the it's it's ten cubed plus nine cubed, or it's twelve cubed plus one cubed. Ah, and, and that he, gets you seven. Do you know how that occurred? It was, I believe, he was either on his deathbed or just generally ill, and someone who was visiting mentioned that was the number of the cap that he took. And, oh yes, that... and he was like, "That's the." <laughs> wow! Oh, your your knowledge of mathematical obscura continues to to astonish and delight. So, out of seventeen ninety two, twenty nine. Uh, sorry, seventeen twenty nine. Yes, uh, let's see what if we can do. Out of seventeen twenty nine, I will give it fourteen hundred and sixty two. Okay, okay, well, let's see if we can sort of negotiate our way up from that, because I thought that the book maybe deserved a little bit more. I know it's uh, okay. unusual for me to, to, to question your, your ratings, but, like, I particularly enjoyed the, the Chinese porter torture. It seems like a, a really weird way of torturing people. <laughs> I with know, like, like trying to stuff bat, somebody into... into bat porter in Chinese restaurants. Yeah, chugging down from a porter potty. Which, oh, that was, oh, now oh, I God. said it out loud. <laughs> no, okay, God. no, I take it back. Maybe it deserves the <laughs> 1429. Like, where's the red ink? Let me add it. <laughs> I think my favorite character was definitely the werewolf. Uh, she had a lot, like, that was fun. I liked how she, like, went about her thing. And, yeah, uh, like, and learned about her power and learned about how to how to use it for good. Well, mainly the fact that, like, everybody else learns it as well, but she's skilled at it. Like, everybody else just yeah. gets this in- insight or this this vision which they kind of either, either they reject it or they just ignore it or they don't know what to do with it. And, like, uh, she has more or less the same information or at least equivocal information, but yeah. she knows how to use that and play it so i thought that was a very strong character which i really enjoyed so what do we have in store for our readers next week next week's book is by gary leon hill yes people who don't know that they are dead <laughs> that about covers it. thank you for joining us at cover my ass where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly my name is kaki and i'm Kay. and remember we only judge a book by its cover <laughs> Oh, beware oh, the werewolf. Beware. beware. Beware the wolf. Beware the wolf. Oh, there was another one, like a, a duplicate note one, like the Area 69. Yes. Like, yeah. Those, oh. those are rare, but they're different. Like twice it's happened. Something like that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I also, I also have that one. It's like. High five. High five. <laughs> <laughs>